Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Well, I'll tell you this. It is my hope today that God would speak into your heart and help you embrace the call of God on your life. You know, so many times I, I, I'm, I, I meet people, and, and, I, and I've been in the ministry for over 20 years, and it, I, I have had on many opportunities, different occasions to meet people who many times feel disqualified because of things that they can't see. And, and, and I know a lot of times we, you would think, well, isn't it disqualified by what you see? But a lot of times it's qualified, disqualified by what you don't see. Like you have these dreams and desires and hopes and you have things inside of you. You're hoping to break some things and change some things. And you don't, I mean, is there any time where you get frustrated because you're like, I should be further along than right now. I shouldn't be dealing with that anymore. I shouldn't be frustrated like that anymore. I should be moving. I should be moving forward a little bit. There's this thing that I've been holding in me for years a ministry, an idea, this calling. And I don't think I'm any closer to it than I was when I got it 10 years ago. I, and, and, and because of the things that we don't see, sometimes we disqualify ourselves. Addictions that were, were breaking. Um, maybe loneliness. You feel crowded in a, you can be in a crowded room and, and everybody's laughing and having a good time, but you're, you, you almost feel invisible, feeling like you're lost. You know, I'm here to tell you that sometimes what we need is an adjustment and we need to fix our focus. We need to fix our focus because life tends to um, focus on the negative, even in our news channels. If it, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And, and so we are all focused on the dramatic. We're all focused on the hards and the negatives. We're all focused on those things. But the truth of the matter is many times God wants to fix our focus so that we can see clearly what he's calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. I remember this one particular moment. I was about six and a half, seven. And I was at my grandparents' house and I was hanging out, playing with the cousins, running around. And, and we were somehow in the closet just kind of hiding. And there was this box with this strap and... I was like, what is that? And uh, I was that child. And so I moved something around, climbed up, grabbed it. And inside were these binoculars. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like, like come on. I grew up with G.I. Joe and Transformers. This was my Yo-Jo moment. Come on. I just uh, Theme music was playing in my head as I took out the binoculars and started to look at them. And it was, it was so awesome because I had really not seen binoculars. I hadn't had them before. So I ran into the living room. And I was like, look what I found. And they're like, yeah. And they explained it. And, and here's... My grandma says, well, you can have, if you're so excited, you can have them. You can have them. And what I found was I was holding something in my hand that could cause me to see better. I just didn't know how to manage it. There was something that I was given that could help me see better. And when I talk about better, let me be a little bit more specific. It, it helped me see further. It helped me see clearer. And, and you know what binoculars do is not only do they uh, help intensify what is far away, but they also narrow your sight of vision. 
You know, a lot of times we're frustrated because we're looking at everything, but God has something for us to clearly focus on. Come on, and, and we see too much of everything, and sometimes we just need to have those blinders on and look forward. I was given this gift that I, I didn't know how to manage. And, and I don't know if you've ever looked at being young, looking at binoculars, but it's hard to really see. Yeah, first, I remember looking at them, and, and I could see dark spots and darkness. And then I would push them too far to my eyes, and I'd see my eyelashes. You know, and, and, you know what I'm talking about? And, and then you, know, I, you have to maneuver them, and you have to fix them, and you have to use the little focus thing. And, and, and so it was a lot of work, and I didn't know which button. And so you got your, your, the knobs that, that are close to the eyelids, and then you've got your, your, your focus in the middle. And you can obviously know I'm not a binocular expert because some of you are like, it's called this. You know, and I, I'm not. But the truth is, I had to get some lessons, and I had to get some information, and I had to get um, a little bit of help with fixing the focus so that these things really could work, so that I could really see all that was intended for me to see. So my assignment today is fix your focus. Fix your focus. Everybody say, fix your focus. Fix your focus. I want to talk about when our calling, and a lot of times we are called, but we've got to fix our focus. In Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14, it, it says this. Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltness be restored? For it is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city that cannot be hidden. Now, I want to talk a little bit because I think that sometimes we believe this lie that, that plays in all of our heads. That I can really be better good, significant, an influencer, I could really do if I didn't have to deal with blah. And it's different for everybody. It's reading. It's, uh, it's uh, um, maybe you're a procrastinator. Come on, somebody. Anybody? You to be honest. You're like, yes, I am. That's me. I set the alarm seven times. And then I have someone come wake me up. You know what I'm saying? I, the truth of the matter is we all have things that we deal with, flesh, sin. We all have stuff that we're dealing with. And, and here's the thing is if we're not careful, the thing that um, we're working on developing and removing will hold us back from the thing that God has given us to use. To use. As we look at this verse, it helps us manage what we've been called to be. And from time to time, from time to time, it is important because life gets blurry. Life gets blurry, and we got to fix our focus. You know, a, a perfect example of that is uh, just ask the hog special team. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you know, uh, anybody, anybody see that return? You know, listen, I was going to do ministry at the beginning of the service because I knew, you know, my, some of you like, it's deep, right? You almost didn't come to church today because of Saturday's game. We put out more Kleenex boxes. I just want you to know uh, we, we had a special prayer time for everybody before you came. But the truth is that focus hurts us. And, and I, I know you may be thinking, come on, man, don't, don't, don't be hating on the hogs. Listen, I'm not hating, I'm hurting. And so that, that, that's the difference. Is, um, but as we, we talk about this, this passage gives us an expectation. 
that we should carry something that seasons. That it's, there, there is this effectiveness in all of us that we should add to the world. We should add to the areas around us. We should add. And when life gets hard and we lose our focus and it gets blurry and we only see darkness, it still doesn't negate the fact that there is a calling in your life. And way too many times our feelings trump truth. How we feel about this or that, how we feel about something trumps the truth. And today as we continue talking about being called, I want to give you four ways to fix your focus. Four ways to fix your focus. Let's read Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 34. And we're going to read a few verses. This whole passage of this story I think is important for us. Mark chapter 9, verse 30 through 34. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know. So, so, So this is Jesus. He's passing through Galilee. Didn't want anybody to know. 31, for he was teaching his disciples and saying to them. Now, now, can I, I want to stop. And I, 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 I think sometimes we read the Bible as homework, but I want us to see and put ourselves in this text. We are a church that is open for the broken. Come on, the hurting. I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care you got divorced yesterday. I don't care if you went through a season of addiction. I don't care what. The truth is these doors are open so that people can find hope, receive healing, get freedom. And I'm, way too many people want to start the conversation with their past. I don't. I want to start the conversation with your future and what God's going to do with your life. Because here's the deal. I know when we repent, God... God remembers our past no longer, and the Bible says he throws that from the east as far as to the west. Come on, somebody, is that good? Is that good? All right, y'all are awake. Come on, y'all work with me now. Now, but, but here's the thing, is the problem is if we only have that mentality in church, that will always get hoops and hollers. But I love the fact that there's sometimes where Jesus says, don't invite the crowd, don't talk to nobody, don't tell nobody, but we're fixing to have a meeting. We're going to have a family meeting. And so here's the thing. While the church is always reaching out and wanting never to judge, never to condemn anyone, I don't care what background or lifestyle they have, there's got to be moments when we have family meetings because holiness is still important, righteousness is still important. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is like, don't invite nobody to this meeting because I'm fixing to tell you something if we only have church for the lost then we don't grow those that are believing and the calling of the church is not to have a house full of babies it's to have a house full of ministers now when you get religious is when everybody's a minister and there are no babies And we're talking about, oh, man, look what God's done, except for there's no new life. And where there is no new life, it's dying. And so, listen, we always want an influx of people that, you know what, as soon as, I remember one time I got done preaching at a place, and, and I had been preaching, and, and it, man, it was good, and a lot of ministry happened, and the, 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 the pastor told me, he said, man, we have a lot of people that have just been saved like weeks and I was like, cool, it was awesome, and they were on fire. I love preaching to hungry people. Come on, the worst thing you can do is get churchy. Oh, bless God, man, well, almost God, 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 God. You know what I'm saying? Man, people who are broken, come on, and they need something, they're talking to you. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. But people who are sophisticated Christians, 
that's a good truth. That's good. I remember when I heard that 30 years ago. <laughs> it changed my life then. They probably need to hear that. <laughs> Are you taking notes? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> we can get like that very, very. And so I got done with the sermon, and I walked outside, and, and this guy came up to me, and he goes, man, Pastor, that was a good mother sermon. And I was like, yeah, it was. And the pastor looked at me, and I was like, let's go with it. <laughs> But the truth is, if we only have maturity so that we look better, then we don't really have maturity because maturity means I begin to produce myself. It means that now babies are coming to me and through me. That's maturity. So I want to take a moment. If you are new to church, we love you and we're glad that you're here. But we're going to have a little family talk today with some church folk. Can we do that? Is that okay? Is that okay? As we look at this, I want to read this. 31. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is dead, he's, when he's killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he was saying and they were afraid to ask him. Come on, sounds like my home. <laughs> yeah. I started talking and my kids are like, <laughs> they have no idea what I'm saying, but they're afraid to get clarification. <laughs> Listen, th 33. And when they came to Capernaum, look at this. And when he was in the house, look at, we're, we're, we're biblical. Uh, he asked them, what were you discussing along the way? Jesus talking to them, but they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Come on, this is like a parent. Anybody got kids? Anybody ever babysit? Anybody have that moment? Come on, have you ever like been like parent ninja? Where like you're over here, but you see something, and they don't think you saw it, but you saw it. And so you talk to them, and they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus has this moment. And this is, this is one of those deep thought moments. And I want to draw attention to this thought. Jesus is beginning to speak of his death. Come on, this is a drop the mic moment. You know, I, I don't know, uh, 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 but I've read uh, news articles and different things where like if you're on your phone and you say like certain key words, man, they take the transcript of your phone conversation because they want to analyze and find out, you know, like what, what you going to do? You know, and, and so there are are these words that they focus on. I can't imagine. You're, you know, if they had phones back then, the disciples, oh, Jesus talking, uh, I'm going to die. What did he say? I mean, I mean, Jesus, you've left your business, you've left your family, you're following Jesus, and then he says, I'm going to die. I mean, just cr cr crickets. Crickets. As they talk, Jesus talks about that. He is getting ready to prepare them, listen, for the responsibility that would come to them. It's important for us to know that called people are commissioned people. 
There should never be a cold and callous place in our heart for the cause that God has called us to. I am not saying that cold and callous doesn't happen. But I, when I am saying that that begins to come up, you've got to deal with that quickly because there is a cause that you have been called to. Come on, somebody. And you've been commissioned to do something in this world. You are salt and you are light. It's important for us to know this. As soon as the conversation begins amongst uh, when Jesus talks about his death and he, he drops the bomb on them, hey, if I'm, I'm going to die, if I'm going to raise, I'm going to go. They don't like, oh, I don't understand. And they start walking and they begin to all start talking. And here's the thing. What, what's crazy to me about this is they don't talk about how to understand what Jesus said. They talk about themselves. Is this crazy? So, so here's kind of what I want us to see is, number one, you, you got to take the focus off yourself, off yourself. Life is not about me. It's, and you're like, you're right. It's not about you, Pastor. No, but, but it's not about you either. There is something that begins to happen as the conversation starts with the disciples. They begin, instead of focusing on what Jesus is about to do, instead of focusing on their calling, they begin to capitalize on the fact that Jesus is leaving. Hey, who's going to be the greatest? Church, I love that the Bible is so authentic because many times God is changing us, moving us, and we are in hard situations. And when adversity hits us, growth is supposed to happen. Listen, I'm telling you, if I could do a prayer line and all addictions, all fear, all insecurity, depression, everything, everything could leave you, come on, our church would blow up. No adversity. But adversity builds character. And sometimes when you're squeezed is when you find out what's in you. When, 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 when you're by yourself at the office, come on. And adversity hits and someone misinterprets your email or misinterprets what you said or something happens. And then all of a sudden something comes at you. Come on and you get squeezed or you were promised a bid or you were promised this. And all of a sudden something happens. Then we find out what's in you. Way too many times as believers, we are hoping to live an adversity free life instead of the power to overcome adversity. It's not about you. It's not about you. These guys begin to start to worry, complain, compare, all because there's change in the air. And they forgot about the calling, listen, and started to focus on their position. Their position. Now, I'm not mad at the disciples for thinking about greatness. The truth is we all want to be great. We should all want to do our best and to give our best. And there's a desire in each of us to be significant, to be significant. But I'll tell you this, if we don't stay focused, those desires to be great can be corrupted and lead us into sin. And before you know it, pride will produce in our heart. Yeah. I like Jesus because he has a gentle way of bringing us back. And he shifts their perspective and he says, if. Notice he doesn't say when. He says, if. In other words, listen, yes, I've called you. Yes, we've been walking side by side. Yes, I have taught you personally. But if. If. See, there's no real. I'm going to leave here. And if you can do this, we will change the world. But if you don't, we won't. If. 
if. As we go through and talk about this today, your calling, it's important for Jesus to shift our own perspective. It's not about you. It's not about me. Jesus was saying, stop focusing on positions and fix your eyes to what really is the issue. And the issue is me. I'm going to beat death. I'm going to beat hell. And I'm going to provide something that the whole world, it will change their life. And you're focusing on my absence when you need to focus on my return. For us in our marriages, life groups, in our giving, in our serving, the focus into you. I'm telling you, our marriage, mine and Katie's marriage is great when she's not busy. (laughs) When she cooks my favorite meals. When she is at my beck and call. Come on, somebody, all the men, you're like, hello, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be honest. I know you're scared to amen that point. Okay, okay, we're going to move past that. I don't want to get you into trouble. But the truth is, our marriage is excellent when she does whatever I want. My marriage is excellent when I do whatever she wants. But dad gum. Come on, there are times when when I focus about me and she focuses about her, it's not a happy place to live. Come on, is 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 this true? And so why would churches be any different? Why would your life group be any different? Why would your job be any different? When everybody begins self-absorbing and talking about their self, we release the calling of God on our life and we cease to be salt and light and we move into offense. That's the life. The focus isn't on you. It's what Jesus had done. Mark chapter 9, verse 35 through 40. Let's read this. And he sat down and called the 12 to him. He said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. And he took the children and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. And John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is, against, who is not against us is for us. Truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ by no means will lose his reward. 42. Whoever causes one of the little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone was hung around his neck and was thrown into the sea. Now I know that's probably not on your light inspirational reading today. That probably is not the one on YouTube that has the like, you know what I'm saying, the music behind it and the words and the dove. Um, But here's the thing. The second thing that I want to tell you, the first one is we got to take our focus off of uh, of you. But but the second one is we got to focus on serving. We got to focus on serving. Jesus was working hard to fix the disciples' focus. They were out of focus. And and it's good to know, listen, that even in the presence of Jesus, the disciples had the wrong thoughts. Come 
on, some of y'all, that's liberating. That right there is worth you coming right there. You need to tweet that, baby. Because the fact of the matter is, we have so many people that have terrible baggage from last, their last church. Yeah. When I got to be honest, I'm not saying they didn't do anything wrong. But I do find it funny that the first family, they had children and one killed the other. The disciples are in Jesus' presence and they have the wrong thoughts and we're mad that a pastor or a leader or someone did something to offend you. I see brokenness in relationships all through the Bible. The only thing that overcomes brokenness is a desire not to be offended. I'm going to love you and forgive you before you even wronged me. Jesus walked to the cross, and three days earlier, everybody was like, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. You know what I'm saying? They were literally like playing the song. What a man, what a man. You know what I'm saying? They they really weren't. So if you Google that, they weren't. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They were putting down palm branches. They were like, you're the man. And in three days, they were like, we hate you. We would rather free a criminal than you. Kill this dude. I don't know if you've ever gone to a church like that. I hope not. You know, one Sunday, we're really glad that you're here. Last time, dang it, he came again. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> listen, while the disciples were thinking, look at me, Jesus was saying, look at them. While the disciples were thinking, who's the greatest? Look at me, look at me. Jesus was saying, no, 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 look at them. And while the disciples were patting themselves on the back for how well they had done and all that they had done, they slowly became people who stopped ministry rather than people that perpetuated it. They were now people, now stoppers. Come on. It takes, you don't even know when it's going to happen. You're following Jesus. You're seeing miracles. Oh, this is such a good movement of God. But then all of a sudden something switches and you become a stopper of the movement of God. And you're sending certified letters and emails. I need you to cease and desist from your demon activity. And I need you to not pray for anybody because I know, has, were, were you at the last meeting? Was he at the last? I don't think so. Did you pay your tithes? I don't think. You need to stop because I follow Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesus had to quickly correct. Your focus is wrong. I'm trying to tell you about your calling, but you're focused on other people. You're focused on other people and other churches and other problems and other issues and other things that have happened. And I'm telling you that right here at your feet are little ones that you can bring in, but you would rather change the conversation to what you stopped rather than what you started. Come on. You're called. You're called. This is why we do life groups. This is why we do a third service. This is why we're working hard to train up leaders. This is why. See, God has been faithful, but we are still focused on drawing new people. That's why we're handing out cards. Well, well, they're just trying. I just know them. I, that seems like my last church. They're just trying to grow a church. No, we're trying to see people's lives changed. Yes. 
The calling on the church is to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry. You're going to be able to touch way more people than I am. Come on. That's the calling of God on our life. It takes time to fix your focus. Friday night, we did a women's event here. Come on, any women show up to that? Come on, come on. Holla. You know, the, the darndest thing, that event didn't just happen. You know, hold on, let me think about that. We, we, the women just got together and prayed, and put, bam, there was stuff painted on the wall. It was crazy. They just got together and prayed, and there was cheese, cheesecake everywhere. Cheesecake got louder. Amen. <laughs> but, 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 no, but up here, what I'm saying is this. Someone had to spend the time. Someone had to do something. Someone had to organize and meet, and it took time, and it was stressful. And you have to, every time you do a meeting and try to do something, you got someone's personality, dear Lord. <sighs> it would be a whole lot easier not to do anything, not to meet. We had four meetings, probably five. And dear Lord, we talked about the same thing every time. Met for an hour to talk about the same thing that we already knew. People are coming. <laughs> but but here's, what, here's what I'm saying to you. Is those that are called realize it's not about them. Right. And they're looking for a place to serve. Yeah. And here's the deal. Because of that, we had over 50 women here. Yeah. And I believe there were four or five women that got there, I mean, got ministered to and feel like I can be a part of this family. What's it worth? What's it worth? Going through framework, being on the greeting team, what's that worth? It's a little time. It's it's getting inconvenient. I understand. But we can focus on all the other people that are doing something or we can focus on all the little ones. And here's the thing. I don't really have time to to get in this, but here's what I want you to see is they begin to focus on what other people were doing rather than what Jesus asked them to do. They felt compelled to stop ministry. They got offended. They got critical. They lost their focus. Come on, and I see it happen so many times. People get a little little offense. I went to that life group, and I said hi. And you know what? They said bring food. And so I brought food, and I brought my great-great-great-great-grandmother's sardines. With the special seasoning. And I brought that because I love everyone in this group. And nobody had the decency to eat just one. That's right, because we're all scared. (laughs) Don't bring your nasty fish to the life group. (laughs) You want people to love you? Bake a cake. Bring some chocolate. Come on. I got some amens on that. Don't bring something nasty. If it looks scary, don't bring it. But the offense, come on. Some of y'all, I feel like you're getting freedom right now. You're like. Listen. Why did Jesus use the example of little children? I don't have time to go into this. But there are two times in the Bible, Zechariah 13, 7, you can look it up, Mark 10, 24, that he talks about new believers as little children, lambs, 
See, I, I used to think that this message alone was to have an awesome youth group. But really, God looks at those that are new into the faith as the, his little children. And he wants to see them developed. Come on, somebody. He wants to see God move in them. He wants to see some things happen. He wants to see their concrete harden and build something that God can, that, that God can add more pressure and more, more strength and more responsibility to. Come on, is this good? Mark chapter 9, verse 43. I'm almost done. Y'all with me? Okay. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled with two hands than to go to hell. The unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame with two, with, uh, two feet than to be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter kingdom of God with one eye than with two and be thrown into hell. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted, listen, with fire. You are salted with fire. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be made salty again? And this is the key to all the verses that we just read. Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Jesus knows that he's getting ready to leave. And his disciples are focusing on their position and the problems with other people. And there are two things that will stop your spiritual growth. When you start needing an accolade for everything that you do, and when you focus on everybody else's issues, that you no longer take care of yourself. Does this make sense? You're called. You're called. God has a calling for you. And I want to give you the last two points real quick, and then I want to unpack this and we're going to be done. The, the, the third point is this. Focus on remaining salty. Come on, everybody say salty. salty. You say a little salty. Get a little, little sa- not like sassy, salty. Uh, focus on bringing peace. I want to talk, I want to end talking about these last two things. Focus on being salty. As a Christian, there should be a difference about our life. We feel the same emotions everybody else feels. Come on. You cannot drive in traffic in northwest Arkansas and not feel a cuffler coming. <laughs> Don't even get religious on me. You cannot. The traffic and the worst is when you see people texting and you're like, the light is green. I will jump out of my car and slap you through your glass. The text ain't that important, baby. We all deal with it. We just deal with it different. Here is our feelings. Here is our rage. Here is our mouth. Here's what we want to say. Here's how we want to talk to our wife. Here's how we want to talk to our husband. Here's how we want to talk to our kids. Here's how we want to, come on, we all have that. But we stay salty. And so here's the deal. I would rather give something that adds to your life than say something that crushes your life. I would rather do something that salts. That doesn't mean that we don't have to have hard conversations. It doesn't mean that we don't have to have correction moments. It doesn't mean that we don't have to have real talk. But real talk is not toxic talk because if it's a good conversation, it will lead you into more freedom. 
It won't be just two negative people being frustrated, unleashing all of their, you made me mad. Come on. Remain salty. Hope, cheerfulness, kindness, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, patience, love. Going the extra mile. The Bible says if someone asks you to go a mile, you go two. Giving, helping, and so much more. We add flavor to the world. And listen, when we become toxic and we no longer have flavor, then the morality of our culture goes away. Now I'm talking family talk. If you're a non-believer, you need to understand that we judge no man. And if you come for a long time, you will know we are not hard on people. But we, we, this church is more like a coaching team. Come on. We are dealing with now politically. We are dealing with society. That people can base their fe- feelings are now so much of a God that it can change my gender. It can, it can change. I'm not mad and I'm not frustrated. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just telling you that when the church ceases to be salt and light, then here's the deal. You can think you're doing ministry, but you're crushing people. We love people. We want to see them redeemed. And it is a little hypocritical for us to think that people need to change before they come. They come and the presence of God changes their life. That's what happens. But we, we got to have our house in order. We got to stay salt. We got to stay light. We got to love people even when they do us wrong. Even when we get frustrated. Come on, we got to walk that second mile with people. We got to help. We got to allow the Holy Spirit to do something different in our life. Sin spoils salt. Jesus says, cut it off. Cut it. Now, listen, don't come here next week with your hand off. Okay? All right, you, you, you went a little too literal. Don't come here with like, I mean, you, you had two eyes last week. <laughs> yeah. Took care of some business. Okay, listen. The point is, is what you're seeing affecting your salt and stealing your peace? Is what you're touching affecting your salt and stealing your peace? Is where you're walking and who you're walking with, come on somebody, is it stealing your salt and is it destroying your peace? You need to walk different, you need to hold different, and you need to look different because here's the deal. God wants us to fix our focus because you're called. Is this good? Is this good? Listen, the last thing is this. we got to focus on bringing peace. Anybody ever heard the thought, it takes two to tango? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Your parent ever say, oh, it takes two to tango. You know what, but it only takes one to hold an offense. How many people, can I be real? Can I just be very authentic and y'all still love me? How many people have switched churches over an offense? How many people quit on a marriage because of an offense? How many people, 
I am not judging you, but I'm talking to the believers now. Just, just curl back your toes a little bit. Love me. Love me. I'm not being judgmental, but I am telling you we're going to break cycles in this church. We're going to break cycles in this church, and I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a perfect church, baby, there isn't one. Go keep trying to find it, but they ain't there. But maybe in heaven, okay, in heaven there is a perfect church. But there isn't one here. And so I'm going to have to deal with your struggles. And you're going to have to deal with mine. And I'm going to have to deal with your stuff. And you're going to have to deal with mine. And together, come on, your kids, my kids, your kid push my kid, my kids push your kid. <laughs> you better keep your peace. Because here's the deal. You keeping your peace is not anybody else's responsibility. Keep your peace. What's playing in the house that's destroying peace? What conversations are destroying peace? What, what schedule is destroying peace? Come on, we're going to have peace. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.